I know, it's kind of weird. I'm trying to figure it out. I feel like I might have to stand a little bit farther back, which is totally fine. But guys, I am so glad I'm here. I didn't get to come to SM Night last, last week because I had COVID. So two thumbs down for COVID. COVID stinks. Boo. Boo. But that being said, boys, I love the attention up front. And I would also love if I had complete silence. Thank you, boys. I appreciate that. But in that, tonight we are having a fun pirate night. I feel like we did some scavenger hunts. We did a lot of fun things. And tonight, like Nick said, I am kicking us off into parables. Well, he kicked us off into what parables are. Can anyone tell me what a parable is? Did you guys remember anything when Nick said? It's a story? I heard Shrek. I don't think that correlates to it. Shrek is a story, but Shrek isn't a parable. Does anyone remember what Nick said a parable was? Hayden, listen up, guys and gals. He did explain a parable with a parable. I do remember that. But a parable for those who weren't here, and again, mind fog, don't remember. A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson, a story that comes along a point of truth. Now, the, the Jesus used parables a lot and a lot of times the parables, like Nick said last week, would go over the disciples' heads and they wouldn't truly understand the metaphor and the biblical context to what Jesus is trying to say. And so, like I said, tonight I've enjoyed Pirate Night. I've seen some really, really cool costumes and then some people that forgot that it was Pirate Night but are still here and are repping Pirate Night. And so tonight I am talking about a small but mighty parable and the parable is the parable of the hidden treasure. Just like you guys found that treasure box in there. It's crazy. This is just really working out. And so in that, we are going to talk about what it means to look at a, what it mean, what this parable is trying to say, what this God is trying to say through this parable, what he's trying to say, and how we can better apply it to our lives. And just like the disciples, Jesus was trying to do for the disciples. But before I jump into this parable, I want to tell you a story about a time when I found a hidden treasure when I was young. See, I wasn't crazy young. And it's kind of embarrassing for how old I was when this happened. I'll just tell you. I was like 16, 17 years old when I found this treasure. But I'll just explain the story, and then I'll stop, and I'll jump back in, and we'll summarize the parable and talk about it. But I was around, again, like 16, 17, and we always went to OBX as a family, as a family trip. It was a fun. How, how many of you have been to OBX? I feel like it's like we're real close, so it makes sense that a lot of you have been there. Jacob's wearing an Outer bank shirt right there. Will's got his hand up. Everyone's got their hands up. OBX is a fun place. That's awesome. All right, y'all, listen up, listen up. Shh. Perfect. And in that, I was, again, older, but I was trying to sleep in, and I immediately was woken to my sister and my brother banging on my door and saying, Brett, we found clues to a treasure chest. Now, when we were there, they were, like, excavating a ship. So it was like this whole situation, like we were like, oh, pirates are here, all these things, this is crazy, maybe there's treasure. But I wake up to them banging on my door saying, we found clues to a treasure in our beach house. Now, it wasn't ours, and so I'm like, oh. I, for some reason, just dove in. I'm like, this must be real. This is a treasure. And so we spent hours looking through the house, finding more clues, and, and we weren't super close to the beach, so we ended up finding ourselves on the beach, and there is where we found this X in the sand. Which, again, pirates, I don't know why they put X's in the sand. If they're trying to hide the treasure, X's are, I feel like, a poor spot or poor um, area to put them. And so in that, we found an X in the sand, and we found this treasure chest. And I, being, you know, the oldest and strongest, I immediately had to take it from them, and I opened it. And in that, I found 
some, some dollar bills, some fake pearls, some fake diamonds, some chocolate coins, and all these things. And in, in my head, I'm like, what, what's happening? And that's where I'm going to leave the story for right now, and I'll pick it up in a little bit. I know, a cliffhanger. I, I left you on a cliffhanger. Crazy. All right. Just like Netflix. I don't know where that's coming from. All right, so tonight we are talking about the parable of the hidden treasure, and that is found, like Nick said last week, we're walking through Matthew 13, and in that is Matthew 13, 44, and this is the verse. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. See, if you're like me, this is, again, like I told you, a very small but mighty verse. I feel like I, but when I said that, if you're like me and you read that, you're probably like, what the heck, what does that even mean? Jesus, just like the disciples, it's really going over your head. I'm like, God, just tell it to me straight. I don't need the metaphors. I don't need the parables, but I just want to know. But as I broke down and I read through commentaries and I read what it really means, it really impacted me. And so, like I said, I'm going to quickly summarize what it means, and then I'm going to have two points to summarize it again that I think encapsulate all of what that means. And so here in this story, like I said, we see that there is a treasure that is hidden, meaning it was left there hidden to possibly be, possibly be sought after, but it was out of plain sight. See, it couldn't be stumbled upon and wouldn't be found without looking for what once was there. See, in that, it's the same way with God. See, God is always present in our lives, but unless we are looking for him, we'll, really, we'll never realize that he's there. He asks us to seek him, meaning he expects us to go and search for him. One verse that I feel like really encapsulates that statement is Psalm 105, verse 4, and that says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. See, God is calling us to seek him in moments where maybe we don't want to seek him, and I'll get to that later. See, in the second part of this parable, we read, and a man then finds a treasure, and he then immediately knew the value of what it was. See, the man is filled with, what does it say? It says, is then filled with joy, and he goes and sells everything he has for said treasure. See, this treasure is God. See, God is always present in our lives. And when we seek him, we, see, we find this incredible treasure. See, in the same way that I found this, this certain treasure, which, I'll, I, never mind, I'm going to get to that later. I'm jumping, I'm, jumping, I'm jumping too early. But in this, he was filled with joy. And in the same way, when we find God, we recognize the value of God's amazing love immediately, just like this man. And that there is no joy that compares to the magnitude of knowing God and being welcomed into his kingdom. And so, like I said, this verse isn't crazy long. I've, we feel like we summarize it well and enough. And so in that, that we've summarized this of what it's trying to say, um, I want to talk about some times where I feel like we fall short of seeking God. When we seek other treasures, we look at treasures that maybe not are God, False treasures, different treasures. And see, a lot of times we find ourselves searching for these treasures. But, but like I said, not that right treasure. We get caught up in the clues or what's inside this treasure, hypothetical treasure or literal treasure like me. Um, and what we found, it only leads us to wanting to find more treasure. See, we're never satisfied until we have more. 
We're never satisfied until we look for what's more to come. We're never going to be satisfied when we chase those false treasures. And so when I, back to the story now that I left you on that cliffhanger. When I then found that treasure, it was filled, like I told you, with random things that in the moment, I don't know why I was like, this is real treasure. Like, there's no way that there was dollar bills in this treasure. Or the, pres- the preservation of the chocolate coins really, really sat. And then somehow the diamonds became fake. And all these things were going through my head, but not in that moment. I was so filled with like, oh my goodness, extreme excitement. I was, this is incredible. Oh my gosh. But then it then fades away. See, once I then found that treasure, all I wanted to do was find more treasure. I said to myself, I said to my sister, I said to my brother, I said, maybe this is just one part of the treasure. Maybe there's more treasure. See, they're digging that ship. Maybe if we sneak on at night and we dig into the ship, we'll find more treasure. See, I was chasing this false treasure, this fake treasure that wasn't God, and in that I would never be satisfied. I was chasing something that was fake that I end up finding out that my parents made, which is still crazy that I was like 17 years old, and I'm like, this is real treasure, I promise you. These diamonds, they're real. I'm like trying to like go, like we need to go to a pawn shop and try to sell this, we're rich. No, it's all fake. And in that, we a lot of times get spooked. We all a lot of times get convinced that this is real treasure. But in reality, all it does is lead us to wanting more or trying to sell it for profit. We find that these, these treasures do not satisfy and so in the spirit of the pirate-themed night, I feel like I tried to really hone in on this. And I, there's a movie clip that I'm going to show that I feel like really encapsulates this parable. And it's from the Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I feel like we got to clap for that. Pirates of the Caribbean is great. I recently, thank you, thank you. I recently had wa- watched all of them again. And let me tell you, they're all great. The last couple, last two are meh. But the other ones are incredible. And in that, Nick's going to show this clip, and then I'm going to talk about it. You don't know what this is, do you? It's a pirate medallion. This is Aztec gold. One of 882 identical pieces they delivered in a stone chest to Cortez himself. Blood money paid to stem the slaughter he wreaked upon him with his armies. But the greed of Cortez was insatiable. So the heathen gods placed upon the gold a terrible curse. An immortal that removes but a single piece from that stone chest shall be punished for eternity. I hardly believe in ghost stories anymore, Captain Barbosa. I. That's exactly what I thought when we were first told the tale. Buried on an island of the dead, what cannot be found, except for those who know where it is. Find it, we did. There be the chest. Inside be the gold. And we took them all. We spent them and traded them. And frittered them away. Drink and food and pleasurable company. The more we gave them away, more we came to realize the drink would not satisfy. Food turned to ash in our mouths, and all the pleasurable company in the world could not slake our lust. There you have it. So in that, you see, maybe if you're not picking up what I'm putting down, but also this, this what happens there is we see Captain Barbosa. Talk about how he chased a treasure. They were all, they were fixated on this gold, this Aztec gold that looked like it was worth so much. 
much. And in that, they found that I'm not saying that like you guys are gonna get cursed by like a pirate like story. And if you've seen the movie, they turn into like undead pirates. That is not happening to you. Maybe it is, but if so, you need to go see a doctor or tell your parents because that's not okay. In that, in that, you're not dead, but maybe by the moonlight, it's crazy. Nonetheless, let me get back to what I'm trying to say, guys. I know it was a great clip. I love that movie. But see, in this, he, the, he was chasing greed. See, when we chase these treasures, these fake treasures that aren't Christ, we were never going to be satisfied. Like he said, all, all the food he wanted would never could satisfy. All the drinks he wanted could never satisfy. All the company could never satisfy. None of these things could satisfy anything. He was empty, literally empty, like you could see into his stomach. But in, this, in the metaphor of what I'm trying to say, he was never satisfied because he chased these, these, these fake stories. See, when we, when we don't chase... When we chase those things, we miss, we miss out on God as our true treasure. And in that, the gift is eternal life. See, God is our true treasure. And in this parable, once we pursue and seek God as the true treasure, you immediately know the value and are filled with eternal joy, like I said. See, now that I've quickly summarized the parable and talked about us falling, falling off of his path and walking around chasing fake treasures, let's break down the passage into two points that I feel like encapsulate what it's saying. When we seek out God's glory as the true treasure, we find ourselves with joy, everlasting joy and everlasting salvation. See, God is always present in our lives. We just have to be willing to seek him out. Like Psalm 105 verse four says, we, are, we need to seek him every single day of our lives, even in the midst of sometimes pain and even in the midst of chasing false treasures. See, where he goes, we should go as well, and vice versa. See, the second point that I have that I feel like summarizes this hidden treasure parable is that God's kingdom is more valuable than anything else. Nothing is more valuable than God. It's God's gift for us. See, items, they'll rust. TVs, they'll break. Our clothes will we'll run away. We'll, get, we'll buy new clothes. We'll grow out of them. Phones will crack. All of these things will end up breaking. These fake coins, they'll break too. I'm not going to break it because, you know, maybe we'll use it for another game. All that to say, all of these things will fade away. But until when we acknowledge Christ's gift as us, as the ultimate sacrifice. See, Christ died on the cross for our sins so we could live eternally with him. We just have to seek him out and acknowledge that. So now that we've learned, kind of, well, now that we've summarized this passage and learned the two points that I have to say about this, let's now take those points and apply them to our lives. And so I think both of those points that I just said could be applied to our lives, but I think these two points truly encapsulate that. And the first one is that we should seek out God's calling in our lives. And, and the first one is a cliche one, but I feel like it is such an important one, and that's by praying. I love my morning prayers. I know it can be awkward sometimes or how to pre talk to God, but I feel like for me, I, I love to start my, my morning. Whether that's driving, I know some of you cannot drive. Well, I know a lot of you can't drive, but those who can, or maybe if your mom's bringing you, I encourage you to just take 10, 10 seconds if necessary, but maybe a minute if necessary to pray to God. Thank him for the life you currently have. I ask that you use me as a vessel. That's what I always do. I just ask God, and I seek out God in my life and, and ask for calling in my life. The second kind of point in seeking out God's calling in your life is by chasing the uncomfortable. 
Now, again, you're like, why would I want to be uncomfortable? Being comfortable is great. Like, I like being comfortable. And that's true. Being comfortable is great. But the problem with being comfortable is there's no growth in comfortability. You're not, if you're not willing to step out of your comfort zone and pursue Christ and seek out Christ, maybe in and through your peers, then you will never truly encapsulate his joy and, and the internal life that comes with it. If we are unwilling to chase the uncomfortability, then we are not willing to seek out God's calling in our lives. So I encourage you to, in some ways, seek out God in an uncomfortable way. Maybe that's talking to a friend that doesn't know Christ. Maybe that's, you know, hanging with people that you wouldn't typically hang out with. And there are other various ways that we can talk about in our small group. And the last point I have for seeking out God's calling in our lives is listen to your peers and your leaders I think a lot of times the summertime can be just is full of distractions. You know, we have incredible vacations. Like I was telling you, I went to OBX. And, and we don't have mission trips this year. Or maybe we don't have certain things. And, and sometimes, you know, in the summer we like to hang out late with our friends. And we like to, you know, do things that maybe we wouldn't be doing during the school year because we have school and obligations. And I know sports are still going on. But all that to say, I, I encourage you to push down all of those distractions, those summertime distractions, and listen to your peers. Listen to your small group. Listen to your leaders. I know a lot of you don't have the leader that you might have next year, but I encourage that the leaders that I have here are incredible people, and they would love to speak to you and speak through you in those moments. And so I encourage you and through and ask your leaders, because that's how we will then seek out God's calling in our lives. The second point is that we must be willing to give up everything. Like we read in this passage, the, the man, once he finds God, this true treasure, he sells everything he has to pursue this treasure. Just like the disciples, God told them to drop everything they had to follow Christ. And that is what God's calling us to do in our lives. I'm not telling you to sell everything you have and just live on the streets and being like, I love Jesus. That's not the way God's doing it. But I encourage you to, to drop and surrender all these materialistic distractions and trust in the Lord. See, until you are willing to sur truly surrender to Christ, you will find yourself continually chasing these fake treasures. Now, a journey with Christ is not easy. A journey with Christ isn't going to be just a straight path. But that, to know that he is with you and through you, and that in those uncomfortable, uncomfortable moments, that he is going to walk with you, and you will grow from those moments, is incredibly exciting to me. See, we need to acknowledge that God is the only way. He's the truth, and he is the life in our lives. And when we do both of, the, both of those things, and we apply those to our lives by seeking out and calling God into our life, and, and, we, and we acknowledge that we, are, we must give up everything, we grow and gain internal life with him. See, tonight we learned about a man who found some treasure. But not just any treasure. He found the Lord. And in that, he was immediately filled with joy and sold everything he had to purchase this treasure. See, we learned the meaning that we need to seek God's glory and that it will bring us true joy and everlasting salvation and that God's kingdom is more valuable than anything else. And we learned how to seek God's calling in our lives and that we must acknowledge and be willing to give up and surrender to him. See, if we truly believe that God is our savior and that he will grant us true eternal life, we must be willing to give everything to pursue his glory. If we truly believe that God is our Savior and that he will grant us true eternal life, we must be willing to give up everything to pursue his glory. 
And maybe you're asking yourself, I haven't asked Christ into my heart yet. Well, tonight, among all this excitement, among the joy, among the snacks that are, I feel like, ramshacked and like are eaten to, to bits, and the energy that I know that we had in all the games, maybe, just maybe, you are eager to know God more. And I ask that, as I quickly pray out, or pray out, that I ask that maybe you listen to what I'm saying, and you can speak into your heart, and maybe you get to know God tonight. And if you have more questions about that, I know me, Nick, and all of your leaders would love to answer those questions for you. And so will everyone, will you bow your heads as I pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so thankful for you. So thankful for nights like this that are beautiful and incredible. Lord, that even in the rain that you can open the skies and bring us beautiful weather. Lord, I, I thank you for this incredible group of people that, and that are all of which your children. I ask that, Lord, that those who haven't accepted Christ in their hearts that haven't accepted that true ever, everlasting treasure. I ask that they repeat these words in their heads or even out loud with me right now. Lord, I believe that you died for my sins and rose three days later. I believe that you are my Savior and that there isn't a day in my life that I don't want you walking alongside me. Lord, I am grateful, like I said, for nights like this and overwhelmingly excited for those who might have accepted Christ into their hearts tonight. Lord, I pray in small group that we can have a wonderful time. I ask that you speak to and through these students as they hopefully have conversations that better align with you. I pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.